Welcome back to a special edition of the Laravel Podcast Season 3. It's Season 3, but it feels like Season 2. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to a special edition of the Laravel Podcast. This is season three, but you'd be, uh, I wouldn't hold it against you if you got surprised because I have two guests with me. Not only do I have two guests, but I have the OG two guests. Can you guys say hello to the people? Hey, everybody. I'm Jeffrey Way. Good to be back. And I'm Taylor Rotwell. You may have heard of Taylor. So we got Jeffrey Way, the creator of Laracasts and bringer of many of us to Laravel, and then uh, Taylor Otwell, OG. OG Laravel podcast, OG Laravel. And uh, we figured, you know, it's ni- it's time for a little bit of a breather in season three with all these episodes and just kind of catch up and see see how the crew is doing and catch up and things. So stuff we've got on our plate for today is definitely talking about um, how Laracon's looking for this year, what's going on with uh, the development of Laravel and uh, Laracast and everything like that. Um, so figure the easiest and most concrete thing for us to talk about is Laracon. So what is going on? How's ticket sales? How's uh, speaker lineups? How's the venue looking? How's Chicago looking? I mean, what's everything? how's everything going for Laracon right now? I think it's going pretty well. So the venue is the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, which is a really large museum um, on the south side of Chicago. And so we'll be in their auditorium and the ticket sales uh, are going really good because we already sold out. Um, So that's about 850 attendees, about 50 of those attendees are going to be speakers and sponsors. And then around, you know, 800 of them are going to be actual ticket purchasers from the community. So this will definitely be the biggest U.S. Laracon. It will probably be the biggest Laracon yet so far, although Laracon EU is usually a little bigger so i wouldn't be surprised if they sold uh more tickets this year but uh, i'm pretty excited about it um, all the speakers are pretty much lined out some of the you know big name uh speakers that people may have heard of so far are um of course uh, i'll be there you know creator of laravel uh evan you creator of view will be there uncle bob martin who's you know famous for writing some very popular programming books and just being sort of a programming teacher will be there. Ryan Holiday, the author of several books that people may have heard of. Um, his latest book is called Conspiracy, but he also wrote The Daily Stoic, Perennial Seller, Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy. Um, some pretty popular books, actually. Who else? Adam Wythen will be there. Several other community members will be there. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great talk. You know, right now, what I'm kind of working on is just ironing out food, uh, drinks, sort of all those extra things you have to do for a conference. T-shirts, about to order those probably. Uh, Sponsors, we have we'll have eleven sponsor tables at the venue. We have quite a few sponsors again this year, so it's going to be a packed house. I always wonder how you keep track of everything. Yeah, me too. Do you ever get close to the the conference and think, "Oh my God, I didn't even do that yet"? Um, so I had. One way I, Do you have a checklist? Yeah, one way I keep track is I have a spreadsheet from last year with every expense. And so that actually serves as kind of a checklist like, oh, hey, badges are on here as an expense. I should probably order those for this year. Oh, okay. And so I just, I just kind of duplicate that every year and then I type in the new expenses. Mm-hmm. And it also serves as sort of a um, projection for like profit and loss 
on the whole conference. So it serves kind of a dual purpose as a checklist and as a sort of profit estimator for how the conference is looking to make sure I'm not (laughs) way overspending, especially on speakers this year. We spent probably $50,000 on speakers this year, just because we have several, you know, speakers that have a high speaking fee. And then we try to pay every speaker at least a few thousand dollars to make sure they're not just losing money coming to the conference, which can happen. I don't know if, you know, if you've spoken at conferences as a listener, you may know that often it's a break even, or maybe even a losing affair. So try to make it somewhat worthwhile. Yeah. I've been to some where you don't, you don't get anything. And, and that's just how it is. Like, look, you can come and speak. We're not giving you a penny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I usually lose money. Yeah. 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 That's most of them. I used to go to a lot of WordPress conferences. Um, what were they called back then? Word, WordCamp? Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, with them, something? it's like yeah. you just don't have the money. They don't have the budget. So you're doing that all on your own dime if you want to go. So I'm looking through this list of speakers, and there's quite a few people who I don't know of, but I kind of have heard you guys talk about them. So jocelyn i don't know gly maybe so ryan holiday you've mentioned him being an author and then there was one other person who i didn't know who do i not know i guess it was just them so and then i think everyone else here is either you know a jason freed or a bob martin or even you or people who are pretty reputable kind of members of the laravel community although we do have a few mm-hmm. first-time speakers tj miller caleb porzio colin de carlo are all speaking colin de carlo so that's not. cool he's not oh geez i thought he no was. he's 20 uh i think he's a 2016 oh, louisville speaker that was, that was the year that i was i was at home with the baby so my bad <laughs> yeah it's um, all good <laughs> all right so caleb and tj so jocelyn you you mentioned ryan he, he's written a couple books i need to go check those out can you tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. jocelyn so jocelyn runs a podcast called hurry slowly where she kind of talks about work, productivity, burnout, stuff like that. And she's actually interviewed Jason Freed on the podcast. Oh, cool. And then she al- she also wrote a book called Unsubscribe, uh, which is on Amazon. You can check out, which is just kind of about like the overabundance of notifications and busyness that's pre- cool. prevalent, prevalent in um, you know, our tech world, especially. So I think she's going to talk about similar topics um, at the conference. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, and I entirely forgot Jason Freed will be there. That's kind of a big <laughs> deal, <too>. right? <laughs> I've been so busy with other stuff. Do you guys feel, let me ask you, do you guys feel overwhelmed sometimes by all of the work you have to do? Or do you feel like you can you can manage it fairly well day to day? I'm often overwhelmed by the work <laughs> on my plate. I, I My life is a constant kind of battle of trying to figure out whether I'm overwhelmed because I don't have everything kind of settled on my side or whether it's because there we need to kind of readjust the company a little bit and you know there's always the oh well you know dave quit and he used to do all this high level administration stuff and so i took on all of his jobs for a while so we need to hire a new dave you know that was the thing for the longest time or oh you know we've got four more developers than we did a year ago so there's a lot more management or this one client is requiring all this me so there's like sometimes it's process stuff and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just like i need to stop you know, screwing around in my free time and actually work through my email backlog, or I need to figure out how to handle my tasks better. So right now I'm actually doing really good. And it's because I've spent the last couple of weeks really kind of putting in a concerted effort. We also have hired someone who is not joining us until mid-May, who's going to take probably a third of my job off my plate. And it, it's funny because oh, wow. it was actually that whole thing. There's this guy, Dave, who managed all this. And so a lot of those responsibilities are going to be back off my plate soon. So I'm I'm getting to that point, but I, I usually can tell. Do I do I finish my day with an empty email inbox and a task list with you know a couple items left on it and a clean desk, or do I finish my day with you know seventy emails still in my inbox, twenty things in my task list, a big pile of paper on my desk? Usually, those are the signs for me of yeah. like, am I struggling to keep up, or am I like actually kind of on top of my life? Mm-hmm. 
What about you, Taylor? I was just thinking, I feel less overwhelmed by the work and more overwhelmed by the expectations of everything. So Hmm. like, because I don't really have that much I have to work on every single day. Like Forge is going to run. So I just have to answer the emails and you know, I don't, it's a little different, I guess, because like you probably want to crank out videos, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how, what your schedule is, but, and then Matt probably has these daily tasks, but for me, it's sort of this expectation of somewhere out in the future, I have to do something impressive again, do something amazing. Right. And, and I have to get up on stage and speak about it and it has to not fail. And so that's the kind of pressure I feel like I really weigh weighs on me every day basically because you know at laricon there has to be something cool to unveil which you know no one in panic we are working on something but yeah you know (laughs) things can come up or problems can arise it could be buggy it may not be finished in time and that kind of stuff's really overwhelming more so than just like sort of the daily routine Mm -hmm. okay or like laricon itself could you know there's expectations there for it not to suck for people to have a good time for the food not to be terrible for the speakers to do well so <laughs> all yeah, that yeah. stuff is high expectation too have you guys seen that um the grid of urgent versus important i'm trying to remember who it is but somebody from a long time ago basically drew a grid and like at any given thing that's on your plate it's a pressure should be doing can be urgent or not important and important or urgent or not urgent and important or not important it's the really interesting thing is like that you can put all the things that are pressing on you into that grid and figure out which of the quadrants they find themselves in. And the mm-hmm. things we're most likely to do that are that are most wasteful is the urgent and not important. And the things we're least likely to do that are that sounds like really what's on your plate a lot, Taylor, is the important and not urgent. Right. It's the things that don't have that mm-hmm. immediate time pressure, but are the most important. And I, it sounds like a lot of your life is important but not urgent which i know those are the hardest things to have the discipline to focus on is is that something where you kind of like have developed you know practices to make sure you're not just letting that stuff slip past couple years it's been trying to start really early on stuff um like horizon and then um you know the thing i'm working on for this year is laricon but i don't know i mean i do agree because like with muhammad's going to take care of a lot of forge stuff for me so i don't really spend a lot of time working on those features lately and yeah, but I would cl- I would say yeah, you're right. It is sort of important and but not urgent. And that's I don't know, that is kind of a challenging spot to be in. Well, plus you have so many products. So I, I wonder, mm-hmm. does it ever get to the point where you think, well, I'd love to do another one, but I I just don't have the capacity to maintain yet another project. Yeah, and there is sort of a sense of like, when do you say like, you know, I did what I set out to do, and like this is what success is basically. And I should just maintain what I have and be happy that it got this far and not really try to overwhelm myself with, you know, a new impressive thing year after year, Mm -hmm. because like, you know, I mean, most people will never reach, you know, the popularity of something like Laravel ever. And so I should just enjoy that maybe, and not really try to stress out about creating the next big thing all over again, every single year. Which I think there's some merit to that as well, but you know, people don't really like that. I guess it's a little bit of the Apple thing, right? Like, is is it yeah. is it WWDC where they don't completely blow your mind in an acceptable WWDC? And I always say, yes, man, I'm happy with what I've got. Just don't break it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Steve Jobs saying like, and not to compare Laravel to Apple in any way, right, right. really, but he always he said something like, most companies are lucky to ever invent like one amazing product, you know, and they had invented the iPhone, you know, 
I mean, the Mac itself mm -hmm. was amazing. And then iPhone and iPod and all the stuff that came with it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, at some point, there's only so much you can do. But okay, yeah. I'm going to keep trying this year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeffrey, what about you? Uh, I'm I'm okay right now, but it, it's more of a anticipatory type thing because uh, my wife's pregnant, so we're going to be having a second child. So we're not going to be mm -hmm. having two children. And Matt, I know you have more experience with that than me, but it's stressing me out a little bit. Yeah. And then also, um, this is the first year I, I've been working with a UI guy. I don't know what you'd call him—a designer, UX. I don't I don't know what the terminology is anymore. But he's doing really great work. But every time he cranks out something new, it it adds to the more backlog work. of stuff I have to implement. Yep which I'm very thankful for, but I'm kind of anticipating an insane amount of work uh, in the next five months. So I was just curious how you guys handle it. And then there's also that thing where um, I worry sometimes when you feel stress and anxiety, it's like you, to some extent you're creating it yourself. Uh, mm. And it's hard to determine, is this something I'm just doing myself and I am entirely in control of, or are you not in control of it? So that's something I think about a lot. Is there a way to turn that switch off uh, when mm -hmm. you need to? I don't know. I know that you have at least some, like talking about that urgent versus not urgent thing. I know you have some urgency because there's this expectation of a certain kind of timeline for delivering videos. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of things on your plate that are for work that are in the longer term? So you mentioned one thing being kind of the implementation of the new UI. Um, mm -hmm. I know that you do kind of visual refreshes occasionally, although in your latest podcast, you kind of talked about how that was a lot of that was early days and it probably will be a little bit less the case, you know, going on where you feel like you're kind of getting more of a handle on things. Do you have a lot of things that are in the longer term bucket or are most things still kind of locked in the immediate video production kind of timeline? Most is in the immediate. So the UI work we're doing will probably be next year or at the end of this year. So that's mm -hmm. probably the, the most long-term work thing I'm doing. So most of it is immediate. It is, it's very difficult to crank out content all of the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I go even four days without something new, I will get a tweet where somebody's yeah. complaining. And it's like, yep. you have to understand, I've been doing this for three years. There's yeah. like thousands of videos. At some point, I'm going to have trouble thinking of new stuff to cover. And I'm amazed every week I'm able to, I'm not complimenting myself, but I'm amazed that I'm able to think of something uh, yep. to, to publish every single week. But yeah, th that does wear on me a little bit, finding things to cover uh, every week. Yeah. yeah, I hit episode 100 of the 5-Minute Geek Show, and I just was like, you know what? I've talked I've talked for 10 to 15 minutes at a time for about 100 episodes, and I, I don't have anything else left to say. <laughs> like, people keep keep saying bring it back. I'm like... Yeah, and I think that's... So have you closed that down? Is it done? It's not over. It's it's just on a hiatus, you know? It's, it's on a hiatus until I come up with something else to say. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not saying it's over because I'm sure that moment will come again. But right now I'm just like, I don't have anything else to say. And if I felt that pressure like you do to like keep saying things, man, I, that's, you know, I, granted, you know, you, every time the new tech comes out, you can choose to go learn that tech and go to it. So there's, you know, there's some things you can reach for, but still mm -hmm. I totally, I totally I identify with what you're saying. It's just like, at some point, it's just like, I just might not have anything else to teach right now. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, right. So, Okay. Okay. So one one real quick unasked for pro tip, uh, two kids, the the big shift with two kids for me, Taylor, I want to hear if you have the same perspective is with one kid, there's always the possibility for one parent to be taking the care of the kid and the other parent being like an adult. And with two kids, there's now like, even if one parent takes care of the kid, the other parent is taking care of another kid. So right. all of a sudden, like those rests that you get. So, so what I can imagine is once you have three kids, it's even you know crazier because now all of a sudden it's just 
there's never a one-on-one, but that was the big shift that I noticed with the second kid was you're when, let's say the other parent is, you know, feeding the baby or something like that. Like you're not cleaning up, you're taking care of a, you know, a three-year-old or whatever else it ends up mm-hmm. being. So that, that's the biggest shift for me, uh, for a second kid. Ooh, sounds stressful. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's just, it's just a, it's just a perspective shift, I think. So. Well, I have heard one bonus is that like in your case, Matt, your oldest probably helps entertain your youngest. Yeah. He quite definitely a bit does. more. Where yeah. they're not depending and, upon you and your wife at all times. And the older the older she gets, the more they play with each other. And the more moments we get where they're playing together in the toy room for 45 minutes. And we go, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> we yeah. sat down and had an adult conversation. So that's definitely, yeah. definitely a boon. Okay, cool. All right. So that's what's going on with Laircon. So you said the tickets are already sold out. Do you have a, um, a waiting list like you have previous years, Taylor? Um, there's not really an official waiting list right now. As people email me, I actually do put their name in a little file, um, yeah. and I have sold a few tickets that way, but there hasn't been a lot of cancellations yeah. lately, so I mean, there's not really any tickets to give out right now anyway, so. Got it. All right, so I have a couple questions, but before we do that, let's talk Laircast real quick. What kind of stuff have you, let's say anybody hasn't been to Laircast for a little while, what have you been covering? What's your kind of latest technologies that you've been looking at, and is there anything exciting you want to share with people? Yeah, sure. Uh, let me take a look been doing a bunch of things lately so uh we i finally covered laravel echo in full uh, somehow nice. that was one of the things that i just missed a year ago so i went through that top to bottom so i think if you're in- intrigued by that figuring out how mm-hmm. to communicate with the client i think that would that would be really useful it's a series called get real with laravel echo some things i just have to refresh that, that's one of the worst parts of my job is even if it's mm-hmm. from 2014 and it still works, it's like there's just a few differences where you sort of have to record it all over again. That's the worst part of my job. But uh, other than that, w- one of the things we're working on right now, which which I'm excited about, is um, it's a series called How to Read Code. And the whole point is not for me to write code. It's to kind of work through the process of how you learn from the code that other people have written. Because hmm. uh, there, there's that phrase about if you want to become better as a developer, you have to... I don't can't remember what it is. You have to read a lot of code, you have to write a lot of code, and you have to learn, I guess. And a lot of times, I think young people really get into the learning phase where they're reading the books and they're watching the videos, but they're not actually taking enough time to read code that other people have written. I, I notice mm-hmm. that sometimes a black box. Like People are afraid to, to dig behind the scenes and learn how these things are constructed. Uh, so they stay away from that, and then also they end up not writing as much code uh, as they should because they don't know what to build. This is the thing that comes up a lot. I learned this from students, is they don't know what to build. They haven't been hired yet. They're trying to think of, of projects they can kind of flex their muscles on, and they have no idea where to start. Uh, with the with the uh, How to Read Code, Taylor, we're actually going through the Laravel.com source code. I haven't told you about this. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> we're just pulling it up on GitHub, and we're figuring out every step, like, okay, if... There are, there's this repository for the Markdown files. Well, how is this project getting access to those Markdown files? And how is it reading it and parsing it and replacing the URLs? How is uh, versioning being handled? And w- what's fun about it is I, I don't have any experience with that code base. So right. it's how I would exactly figure out how things are constructed. And it, it seems like the feedback, yeah, it seems like the feedback's been, been, been pretty good. Because once again, I think for so many, it's a black box. You're kind of scared to dig in because you don't know where to start. I encounter this a lot, so I hope it's useful. That's cool. And then other than that, yeah, I, I've been working with this UI guy, and it's been fun because most of the time I do things myself. And that's a lot of coding in the browser, writing a lot of CSS and sort mm-hmm. of zeroing in on something that doesn't look horrible, which I'm not very good at. But he is so much more systematized. 
he has me set up with this, um, what is this app called? Marvel? Are you guys familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Marvelapp.com? It's new to me, but it's amazing. He'll share a link with me, and it's, it's like an interactive website where uh, he can spot things out. He can show me interactions and animations. And then once I sign off on it, he sends me a, a link to this uh, Mac app called Zeppelin, zeppelin.io. And it's amazing because I'm so used to, like, when extracting designs, I use Photoshop. And if there's some SVG, I have to, like, cut it out and save it as SVG and very hard, creating new layers all the time. With this, it's like everything is just clickable. So if I need a particular icon, I click on it, and there's a button that says Save as SVG. So um, this is all new to me. I'm not, I don't have any experience with tools like this. So it's been a huge benefit to me uh, in the last couple of months. I love it. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and go back through, listen to this, and put all this in the show notes, everybody. So, Well, real quick, going on with me, I'm updating Laravel up and running for 5.5. So that's exciting. So we finally got approval. Actually, 5.5 or 5.6. I don't remember. I think we might be doing 5.6. I was going to do LTS, and I think we picked 5.6. Finally got my editors to sign off and doing that. So I've got Wilbur Powery, who's kind of doing my doing some of the grunt work for me of just reading through all the change logs and kind of making a list of all the things that are out of date so that I don't have to do that work so that he can just give me that list and then I'm going to sit down and write. So the hope is for that to be sometime in the fall for us to have addition to. So that's fun. And I just left a project where I had been writing code basically for like 20 to 30 hours a week on top of doing my normal job at Titan, just because we had a project that hit a point where nobody else was available, but I felt that I just needed to kind of fish it out. So I'm like, that's part of why I'm feeling so good right now because like I'm going back to being a real boy again. So (laughs) I'm not going to make any promises like I keep making like, oh, I'm going to blog again. I'm in a newsletter again. But I'm like actually feeling this possibility, especially when that new employee joins in May, that like I might actually like start being a real human again. But I have said that (laughs) three or four times since my daughter was born two years ago and it hasn't happened yet. So (laughs) who knows? Maybe maybe that day will come. That's great. It's great news. That's very exciting. So, okay, so I have I have a topic for us to talk about. I didn't prep you guys for this, so sorry about that. But there's a couple topics of conversation that have been coming up really recently at, at Titan about, um, and if anybody listens to 20% Time podcast, you'll know at least a little bit about this, talking about JavaScript versus PWAs versus straight Blade apps versus Blade apps that have some JavaScript components. Yeah. So first off the bat, before we go to the kind of the deeper conversation, I want to talk about PWAs. And I want to see, have you guys dug into that at all? The iOS are just pushed out some of the core features that would make it so that you can actually write a PWA and have it work on iOS. But that means it's this is the first day where you can actually even realistically consider building one that would work on the most modern devices. So that's like, you know, it's like when Flexbox first finally actually worked, you know, versus like, oh, this has been a thing for a while. So we haven't written any production PWAs for anybody, but it's finally the point where we're like, we can. So is that something you guys have dug into that you're even interested in? Or is it kind of like, you know, hey, it just became legitimate like a week ago. So now maybe I'll, I'll put my brain on it. Yeah, beyond a blog post or two, I have no experience with it at all. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's always tricky. Like, do I should I invest my time in this if I can't mm-hmm. use it too much yeah. yet? So it sounds like that's now becoming a possibility. But uh, for now, I, I have no experience at all. Yeah, yeah, me either. Okay, I, I I have no experience other than I did a whole bunch of research to write that blog post. You know, right? Whatever, that's nine, one of the ones I read. Yeah, yeah. Nine months ago, I did all that, and then basically, I said, "Oh, I'm going to go build some," and then I discovered that it didn't even work on iOS. And I said, "Oh, well, maybe I'll hit pause on all that until iOS supports it." And so they do, 
And I know that Keith, uh, who works at Titan, has been doing a lot more thinking about that than I have. So uh, I've been pushing him to, you know, with all his uh, copious free time, he's all, at this point, he's, he and Samantha are nearly as busy as I am, to see if he can kind of do a part two write-up now that it's uh, viable. So I'll see if he can, he can do that. I'm curious to what extent it's viable. So in the latest of browsers, that's the idea? Yeah, basically, you know, what's in, the fallback in, look like? I in wonder. theory, you know, PWAs should work on fallback browsers. So in theory, okay. there's it's not like it's not going to work, but it's more like it's just going to be a website with JavaScript versus okay. you know versus the value that a PWA is going to provide. And so the but you don't you don't want to really go whole hog into something expecting it's going to be a PWA where people can use it offline, they can use it when their internet connection goes out, it's going to save stuff, stuff like that, and then have it not work on the major browsers. So that's why it's, we're basically at a point where like. All the major mobile browsers, you know, are going to be able to work with it. I don't know what kind of like the whole mobile opera situation is like because I haven't dug into that. But I know mm -hmm. that we were at a point where like literally all iPhone users couldn't even use PWAs up until a week ago. So it was very non-viable up until a, a little bit ago. So now, you know, your your mobile Chrome and your mobile Safari and all those are all, all possible to use it. So... But it's the, the biggest thing with the PWA is just a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of learning and it's a lot of different ways of thinking about things because you're having to make things basically function regardless of whether or not the internet is there. It's, it's the biggest kind of shift in perspective uh, over mm -hmm. anything else. Um, and that there's a lot of kind of complexity and architecture that you need to introduce to make that happen. And the good thing is people are building tooling to make that easier. But it's something where you're not going to do it unless the, the client definitively needs it. Right. Like I can imagine maybe you eventually building like a Laracast PWA if you really wanted to. So people could like, you know, go on a Laracast, open up the PWA on their phone or their iPad and then tap the seven videos they want to download so they can watch them on the plane or something like that. Like that might right. be the poss possibility for it. But I still think the vast majority of websites won't be PWAs because it's cost and you got to be sure that you're actually getting the benefit. And so, like you said, like if most most major browsers can't use it, then you're not going to get that benefit. We're now to the point where most major browsers could get the benefit, so people should start learning about it. But again, it's just really early days right now. So okay, yeah, I find in general most of the apps I build are that combination. You said a little blade, a little view. Sometimes they're they're interconnected. That ends up being the sorts of apps I build. Although I I find um, it gets tricky. I find that. I do want to reach for something a little different. So I do sometimes feel like, well, if I just built this as an SPA entirely, this would be a lot cleaner. But I think a lot of Laravel mm -hmm. developers probably end up in the same boat where it's like you're trying to do both at the same time. I think it's tricky because you often end up reproducing the same logic in two different locations, uh, one for the client side and one for uh, your backend. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's a common thing developers in our space are going through right now. And that's that's the that's the 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 second part of this conversation, so I'm glad you transitioned to it, is that we're having this kind of internal chat where uh, Daniel Colborn is basically saying, look, most of the sites we're hired to do are eventually going to have some JavaScript, so why don't you just go whole hog in the first place? You know, yeah. Caleb is saying, I want to build Blade apps that have little widgets, and I'd rather explicitly do all the work in my controller and then pass it in as props to the view widgets when it comes up. And I'm saying... I want to do all Blade until I find the definitive need that JavaScript's going to happen. And when that happens, then I'll modify it, you know, the way it should be. And so we have this kind of continuum or whatever, uh, you know, each of us is on a different side. So I wanted to hear from you guys. Like, if you were to start a new app today, are you in the world where you say, you know what, I'm going to do Blade and then I'll modify it? Are you in the world where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do, you know, single page app all the way? Or are you somewhere in between? And, and Jeffrey, you just answered a little bit. So I guess, Taylor, what's what's mm -hmm. your approach right now? 
Um, so the latest thing I wrote, which hasn't been unveiled yet, I did basically build it as a single page app using view and view router. And honestly, I really like it. I think view router is pretty nice and easy to use. And I think for this particular use case, it just solved a bunch of problems that we would have had trying to make it all blade. Yeah. But I've never, I feel like my use cases, both times I've used interacted with view router, which is horizon as a single page app, basically. And that, you know, the new thing right. have been these sort of unique situations where I wasn't having to duplicate a lot of rules on the front end, either you're authenticated to view the whole thing or you're not. And there wasn't mm. a bunch of other auth authorization that had to happen for various little features. So that made it a little simpler. I feel like, um, to build it as a single page app because I wasn't having to duplicate a bunch of junk. But if I was going to build something like forge as a single page app, I probably would have a little more duplication on various things, but I don't know, man. I I real I see Daniel's point to an extent that it does feel kind of good to just go whole hog and embrace it because it feels nice to do it all in JavaScript if you go down that path. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think Daniel or um, Caleb's point. I feel that pain most often on authorization. I feel like than anything else. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, Matt. I'm curious about your point because I have seen a bit of a backlash to JavaScript in general, where people think, okay, you're getting some extra interactivity, but the complexity you introduce to make all of this work is sometimes insane. I mean, yeah. just the fact that Mix has to exist to make that build process somewhat easy to understand uh, shows how, how complicated this stuff can be. So I, I do see, I, I understand exactly what Taylor's saying, but I also get the angle of, let's put this off as far as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has your, changing on, has your thought thinking on that changed? In the last so, few years? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I love Vue. I love React. I love single page apps when they're appropriate. And I think that knowing kind of knowing what a lot of the projects Daniel has bought on recently and the type of thing that I know Taylor's kind of working on right now, I would I would pick a SPA. I'd pick a Vue router okay. SPA and I'd pick an API first in that context. But I think that we can do that and we can then assume that that is always the right way to go forward. And, and to me, that's not the case at all because of what you just said. I mean, I think testing is harder. I think debugging is harder. I think NPM and all node modules issues breaks more. I think that the entire complexity of the system is significantly higher. I think onboarding new developers in the system is more complicated. And I want to make sure that it's not because, well, I know JavaScript or I know PHP better than I know JavaScript. But like I've been mm -hmm. writing JavaScript for as long as I've been writing PHP. Now, granted, I haven't been writing React and Vue as long as I've been writing Laravel. But I think I understand them relatively well. And just the whole system, everything is more complex in an all JavaScript app. I, I am willing to make that statement. And so yeah, to me... Testing is definitely more complex. Yeah. Yeah. Like. So to me, if I'm in a place where I can accomplish it with Blade, then I'm not going to introduce any JavaScript. And if I can accomplish with Blade in the occasional JavaScript widget, then I'm going to use it with Blade in the occasional JavaScript widget. That doesn't mean I don't believe that there are apps, that there are plenty of apps that are better as all JavaScript or maybe even not using View Router or whatever, but like a JavaScript page that navigates to another JavaScript page, you know, so you're doing your, your React containers or whatever else end up doing. I'm 100% right. on board with that possibility, but I'm, I need to be convinced that that's the way to do it before I go there. You know what I mean? Right. So Taylor, with, for the SPAs you're building, uh, when it comes to testing, are you doing endpoint testing for your backend code? Like how much, and in addition to that, how much client-side testing are you doing? Do you have tons of desk yeah, I, tests? I, I wrote all of the um, endpoint tests, and there was hundreds of them okay. for um, the new project. And then 
I, we haven't even written the front end test yet, mainly because I'm working with other people on this. You know, of course I have Steve, my designer, and then I have another person working on front end stuff. And it's also complicated by the fact that this is a package. It's not a, it's not an app that Dusk is really easy to pull into. And so we haven't really toyed around with making Dusk work in a package environment yet. So I don't know what okay. that's going to look like. Um, we may end up using some kind of JavaScript solution, but there's just so many little subtle interactions on the front end that are going to be, they're going to be one important to test and two hard to test, I think, but I don't know. We'll see. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. I'm curious to see how you figured that out. Yeah. I would mm-hmm. like to pull Dusk in and just use it. Yeah to test a package ideally like kind of like the test bench for the back end, which i used to write all my endpoint tests mm-hmm. hopefully something similarly uh, or we can do something similar to that with dusk we'll see hmm. i hadn't all thought right. about that because i was like oh yeah it's javascript just use JavaScript, but it's not it's a it's multiple pieces i i we have found that like once you put the work into the javascript testing if the thing is full-on javascript like you can get it to be tenable i feel like JavaScript testing is in our world is probably going to be like the next great kind of hurdle for us to make simple for people. Cause I mean like, you know, basic, you know, Laravel testing was one hurdle. And then like, uh, you know, what are you, what do you call it? Your package, Jeffrey, that was eventually pulled in the core, like uh, yeah. application testing. That was like the next hurdle. And, you know, gulp was a hurdle and mix was a hurdle. These are hurdles where there were really complicated things that we kind of looked at and said, you know what, people in the community are, are needing this to be simpler and someone set out, you know, usually one of the two of you set out to make it a lot easier. And I, I know that there's at least two people talking at Laircon about about testing, right? The testing in JavaScript and stuff like that. So I'm I'm super excited about the possibility that I thought there's two. I guess there's well, I know that Samantha is at least her talk is about full full stack testing strategies. And the, and the reason for this is because oh, cool. at Titan we're always asking this question of what are our different ways of testing the whole way up and down the stack? And I mean, Samantha's our, our resident, you know, React guru. And we have quite a few React developers at this point, but she's kind of the lead in thinking there. And and she's been asking this question a lot of like, what does testing look like? And, and what I kind of told her was like, I'm going to wait until you give this talk to demand this of you, but I want you to make it really easy for me in any app to write a JavaScript test. And I, I, I know Dusk and I know, you know, Laravel and PHP unit, but I want you to make it super easy for me. So I'm hoping that that's what her talk is going to do for me and for everybody else. No pressure, Samantha. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I, I think so many times developers don't think about that. I think maybe they get too deep in the woods thinking, okay, this is what you have to do. You got to get this and this and this and this and this, and then pull in these eight dependencies, and then you're ready to go. And they forget mm-hmm. that to a newcomer, that's horrible. It, it's mm-hmm. so frustrating. The The Vue Test Utils library works great, but just to get to the point where you can start writing uh, your first test, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So uh, I think... In many cases like this, uh, it's not spotlighting them specifically, but in so many cases like this, you find situations where, oh, this could be significantly easier to get started. And it's yeah. not a badge of honor that, that you have to go through so many hurdles uh, to write your first test. You know, it should be easier. I like that as a, as a metric. Like I would, I would like to have the ability to write a reactor view test out of the, out of the, the gate just mm-hmm. like the same way that with a new Laravel app, I can write a test out of the gate without, I like, I literally open up example test and just change some letters and I'm, I'm, I'm writing my test. That's brilliant. And that mm-hmm. was not what writing tests in PHP unit used to be like, right? Like it's not as if right. PHP unit is easy to bootstrap, but like Taylor and company did the work to make that easy. And you did the work to make it easy with application testing up on the core. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're, we're, we're moving in that direction. All right. JavaScript backend, Laracon, Laracasts, 
Laravel up and running. What are you guys learning these days? What's like, is, are there any books you're reading? I know Taylor, you've been talking about stoicism a lot. I, I feel like I, I started that one book. Um, the, the really old one, Mark, is it Marcus or Relius or something like that? I, yeah. I start, I started the book and I'm just moving really slowly through it. Could you, could you give me like the TLDR elevator pitch for stoicism? Is that, is that a possible? What is stoicism? To yeah. Start? What is stoicism, Taylor? Uh, I think the kind of one sentence thing is it sort of reminds me of that serenity prayer. I don't know if you ever heard that where uh -huh. stoicism is very focused on not worrying at all about the things that are out of your control. And they define the things that are in your control as only your own thoughts, basically. So like your health is not in your control. Your job is not really, it's, or it's influenced by external factors. And that was a little confusing to me at first because some things say you're in like a tennis match and you're facing someone and whether you win or not is partly in your control, but it's partly not. And I was mm -hmm. always confused by that from like a, a stoic perspective. So there was one book that kind of helped me resolve that situation where it was like, you want to internalize your goals a little bit. So to succeed at the tennis match is basically to give it your best, so to speak. And if whether you win or lose, is out of your control at that point, but you're still kind of succeeding as long as you sort of prepare and practice to give it your best shot. But that's sort of the the main gist of stoicism is not worrying about anything that's out of your control and mm -hmm. only worrying about the things you actually can control. Okay. I mean, everything kind of revolves around that. I like that. Hmm. Yep. And so basically Marcus Aurelius's book revisits that theme a lot and just sort of various circumstances. And then one of the other popular stoic books probably the other most popular Seneca's uh, letters. And he, then he kind of visits that topic on a variety of issues, you know, death and dying, uh, sickness, what it means to be sort of wealthy and be a stoic. Cause he was pretty wealthy. Hmm. And of course, Marcus Aurelius was the emperor. So he was right. you know, extremely privileged and wealthy. But yeah, I think Marcus Aurelius's book is like surprisingly relatable for a Roman emperor that lived 2000 years ago. Um, <laughs> right. A lot of the things he mentions struggling with are very relatable. So I was surprised at how modern it all came across really for someone that you would think would be very disconnected from our life experience. Hmm. Did I remember you saying something along the lines of um, Ryan Holiday, the guy who's speaking, doing something about stoicism? Yeah, well, he wrote a he wrote the Daily Stoic, which is a really popular book. Oh, it's sort really? of like um, you know, every day there's 365 little chapters, so every it. day it's like a little daily reading, and he sort of expounds on it in a couple paragraphs. But uh, it's a pretty cool little book. Cool. Yep, and then and on the tech side, you know, kind of what I've been looking into a lot recently is containers, um, AWS. Mm -hmm deployment stuff like that um serverless stuff like aws lambda and i feel like there's gold in those hills somewhere and, <laughs> but i don't i just feel like it's not really being presented and packaged up in a very uh, approachable way right now because aws is feels very low level you know it gives you all the tools you need to kind of make things happen but you still have to tie them together in pretty complicated ways to build something useful and you know, probably the, the person that ties that kind of thing together the best is, you know, something like Heroku. Right. Um, but yeah, just kind of playing with some of those technologies. I think AWS Lambda is really cool. And I think I really love the idea behind it where basically you start out with just a function by 
default is just like a JavaScript function that receives some arguments. So you can kind of think of it like a little artisan command that receives a payload from the command line. You can invoke this function and pass it little arguments, but then you can kind of do whatever you want and you never really have to think about the underlying server or how many, um, I think their concurrency limit is like 1000 concurrent tasks running at a time. So it's pretty, pretty scalable for most situations. Mm -hmm. um, but you can actually do pretty interesting things. Like you can run a Laravel app on uh, AWS Lambda, which I actually did this week huh. um, using some tutorials that people had written. So yeah, it's a really interesting technology. And yeah, like I said, I feel like there's cool stuff there that just needs to be kind of mined out and repackaged and presented to people in this sort of digestible way. So I've been trying to digest it myself and it's very complicated and there's actually just a real lack of quality like guides and documentation on how to do anything actually useful. There's lots of mm. like, let's deploy a hello world Nginx page right. to, you know, elastic container service. But how do I do zero downtime deployments reliably? How do I set up all my queue workers reliably? You know, all that stuff is not there. You guys are making me feel bad. I, I, I'm trying to think of what I'm learning right now. <laughs> and the answer is <laughs> nothing. I can't think of anything. Yeah, I've been playing Rocket though. League like an hour and a half a day. So. Yeah, like I think sometimes <laughs> it's good to not always reach for, for something new, but to, to get yourself in a habit of just a daily routine of every yeah, no single doubt. day, I'm going to chip away at this. So uh, there, there have been plenty of times where I'm, I'm really pushing my boundaries a little bit, trying to learn something new, but I can't say that right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can tell I'm you, Jeffrey, that I'm not, that I'm not learning anything about code right now. So oh, don't really? feel horrible. Okay. I'm learning things. So let me tell you the things I'm learning, and I bet you you'll have something related. I'm learning. I'm, I'm listening to this woman, Esther Perel, who's this relationship expert, and I'm listening to her stuff nonstop. My wife and I are both listening to all her stuff. It's really good. It's like this progressive thinking about relationships. But every time I've listened or read to people who are talking about this type of relationship stuff at the end, they're like, and by the way, you should just have open relationships and be married to 20 people and have sex with mm. all of them. It's no big problem. And I'm like, no, that's not me so much. But she has progressive thinking that kind of throws off some of like the old cruft that we belong with us, but still is very much focused on like, well, you're married to this person, stay married to this person. So it's kind of, it's helpful. It's like opening up my mind a little bit. And then the other thing I'm thinking about is is money. I mean, I've talked to you guys about this a little bit. I've been- Yeah, you're into that lately. I'm, I'm so into it. I, I just got obsessed with how much I hate having a mortgage. It just like became this massive thing for me. I li literally just looked at my mortgage statement and I think this is it, right? Beginning balance, applied balance, ending balance. I've lived in my house for, I feel like several years now. It's at least one year and it might be two years. And I'm paying- thousands of dollars a month towards my mortgage and i've applied five thousand dollars to my to my balance because i'm paying everything to the to the interest this whole time and i just feel like i'm like this awful system so anyway i mean you guys know this but i i've been listening to these books on uh, those audio books one of them is the millionaire one what's it called the millionaire next door and mm -hmm. then the other one is the simple path to wealth and just focusing on like really simple investment strategies, really simple decisions you can make. Like I've just been like, and I'm not going to talk about it. Or I could talk to you guys ear off for the next half hour. But to me, the two things I've been learning about are simpler, healthier approaches to money and investment, and then relationship stuff where it's kind of like helping you understand what kind of garbage you're bringing into your marriage or your relationship, but in a way that is for the focus of you staying married to that person long-term versus a lot of the other kind of like alternative, you know, Absolutely. ways of thinking about it. I love everything you say on the finance stuff because you think 
the more you can simplify your financial situation, the better it's going to improve your relationship as a result, too. Yes. Right? Oh, my think gosh, I, yes. I, I think it's the number one or the number two cause of fighting in relationships is financial mm -hmm. issues. And, of course, not everyone is in control of it. But the more you can simplify your finances and not buy a new car, instead buy uh, an older car or something you can afford, mm -hmm. the more you can simplify it, the better it's going to improve your relationship with your wife or your spouse uh, and your kids. So um, I see nothing but good things there. One thing yeah. I am doing, though, uh, this may interest you, Matt. When we had the, the Laravel podcast months ago, I said years ago I stopped playing guitar and the interest I had left. Uh -huh. it, it's come back in the last couple months. Hey, that's I awesome. Wanted, I know. I'm very happy about it. I, I went and bought a guitar and an amp. I've been playing lately. You can maybe see it in the back there. Yeah. And it's funny to see the parallels with code. Like I'm kind of getting in... I'm approaching guitar from a more mature point of view, I guess. Like I'm mm -hmm. getting more into this idea of like, okay, every single day I'm going to be working on this. I'm going to take a very fundamental approach to building up skills. Whereas when I was a kid, it was more, you know, oh, I want to learn how to do this. Let's figure out how to do this as quickly as possible. Uh -huh. And now I take a very different approach to it, uh, which, which I feel all these parallels with code. Uh, it's very funny. I noticed on Twitter the other day, uh, a bunch of people were talking about how many coders have some interest uh, in music or have music, some yeah. experience with music. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to overlap there. I just read the uh, intro to this imposter's handbook thing that I tweeted out. And I wish I could remember the guy's name because he's a, is a well-known uh, software author, but he's talking about being a saxophone player. And I remembered having read a book by him in the past where he was making a lot of those parallels. Do you know who that is? What is it? Hansel, Hanselman? Is that him? It wasn't Hanselman. He, he wrote one, okay. but then it was the one after that. Who, oh, and you, okay. you guys would definitely know who this guy is, but I just remember that he had studied saxophone. And I remember him talking about that in his book that I read. But yeah, who knows who wrote that. But anyway, I'm, I'm only a, a chapter into this imposter's handbook, but I like that. So Very cool. So we are at 50 minutes, which is usually when we start kind of ramping it down. So is there anything else going on with you guys? Anything you've been thinking about or learning or exciting about that you want us to get a chance to chat about? Hmm. Uh, not for me that I haven't already discussed, I don't think. Yeah. Just, um, no, I've just been, you know, just what I already discussed, but uh, we're working on new Forge things, trying to make people's lives, uh, people's lives easier. And Envoy like is it. getting a redesign, uh, which it hasn't gotten since I originally wrote it in Bootstrap, so that will be kind of nice. Um, nice. Other than that, I think that's about it, really, on my end. Matt, can you share any news about who's coming up on the podcast? Oh, man. I, you know, I don't actually know who's next, but let me go pull up my Trello board real quick. I, it's basically what I'm trying to do is, I've been a little sneaky on this, but I'm trying to mix up people who everybody knows, who everyone's been waiting for, because everyone's one of people are like, why has Adam not been in the podcast? Whatever. I'm trying to, to mix up those people who I know that people are anxious about for the people who they're not anxious about, but I, I know that they're going to be really excited when they hear it. And so I'm kind of trying right. to, like, there's a couple people who I know everybody want to hear, and I'm trying to spread them out like every three or four guests and then be like, yeah, but there's these other people that you don't know are super awesome. Like some of my favorite responses have been people like, I've never even heard that person's name before, and now I want to be their best friend. I'm like, yes, I did my job well. Let's see yeah, who we got. So, so of course, you know, like your your you know the the well known names in Laravel are all gonna get interviewed. I mean, I've got I've got a list of dozens and dozens and dozens of people, but I know that Adam Adam's gonna be coming up soon for sure. And you know, your your Eric Barnes and your Chris Fidals and them are gonna be up in there, of course, as well, and Frake and folks like that. But one of the things I did also was I I didn't interview anybody from Titan because I didn't want to seem like it was nepotism. But there's quite a few really <laughs> interesting people at Titan, so I think the Titanites are gonna I'm gonna start s slipping them some Titanites and some vehicle and Spotsy folks. I'm gonna start slipping in some of those folks as well too. So there's 
I don't know. There's just there's a huge list. I mean, you guys, I could do I could do dozens and dozens and dozens of more just from the list I originally spit out before even touching any of the suggestions I got on Twitter. So there's a lot Great. of good ones yeah, coming. I'm excited. Sure. Yeah, it's been fun hearing from people that I'm not overly familiar with. So I think that's a very wise choice you've made. I'm happy to hear it. Yeah, it's so much fun. Of course, I miss you guys, which is why we're we're back here for today. I, I figure we can do this one every you know every dozen or something like that. You know, kind of keep keep the lines yeah. of communication going. So yeah, cool. All right, guys, feeling good? Anything else? I think that's it. All right, it was a ton of fun talking to you guys, and I can't wait to see you in a couple months. But uh, until then, thanks for hanging out, and we'll see y'all later. All right, see ya.